Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Hoping you're having a very pleasant Friday. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Today we wrap up our look at a conference message given by M. Russell Ballard. At the time he gave this message, he was acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. It was a message titled, Praise to the Man. And the pull quote underneath that title is, How abundantly blessed we are to know all that we know because we have Joseph Smith, the prophet of this last dispensation of time. As we've mentioned, this happened to be his last public discourse. He would die about six weeks later. Coming from an evangelical perspective, it seems to us as a sad commentary that one of the last messages that you would ever preach would be a a message praising a man who really never qualified as a true prophet of God, but yet is hailed as such by members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We're going to move away from the first vision, even though he kind of alludes to it in this next paragraph we're going to read, and we're going to move on to the Book of Mormon story. He said, I think it's one of the most glorious and wonderful things that anybody in this world can know, that our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ have revealed themselves in this latter day, and that Joseph has been raised to restore the fullness of the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the Book of Mormon. What a marvelous and wonderful gift the Book of Mormon is to the membership of the church. It is another witness, another testament that Jesus is the Christ. We have it because Joseph was worthy to go get the plates, was inspired by heaven to translate them by the gift and power of God, and to give the book to the world. One of the questions that I've often asked Latter-day Saints, if the Book of Mormon is so important, what does it teach that I need to know that I can't already find in the Bible? A lot of people don't realize you don't find a lot of the unique Mormon doctrine in the Book of Mormon. This comes about in the Doctrine and Covenants or the Pearl of Great Price. The Book of Mormon basically teaches a story that sounds very familiar to what a 19th century Protestant who didn't have a lot of formal education would probably believe at that time. We don't see a lot of the real horrendous teachings that Joseph Smith brought about later on in the Book of Mormon. So when he says, oh, what a marvelous and wonderful gift the Book of Mormon is to the membership of the church, it is another witness, another testament that Jesus is the Christ. I often hear that. Well, it's another testament, another witness of Christ. My response to that is, why do we really need that? I mean, we have a Bible that has 66 books in it, and we have an entire New Testament that points to Jesus Christ. Why would we need something outside of it to testify of Christ? Isn't the Bible enough? You see, all this tends to tell me that Ballard, in his heart, doesn't really believe that Jesus is enough by the way he talks about commandment keeping later on in this talk, but also the Bible isn't enough. It's not enough. You need the Book of Mormon as well. But yet, if you had only the Book of Mormon to go by, you certainly wouldn't be believing a lot of the things that modern Latter-day Saints believe today. Consider what Apostle Jeffrey Holland said 
in Christ and the New Covenant, pages 345 to 346. He said to consider that everything of saving significance in the church stands or falls on the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon, and by implication, the prophet Joseph Smith's account of how it came forth is as sobering as it is true. It is a sudden death proposition. Either the Book of Mormon is what the prophet Joseph said it is, or this church and its founder are false, a deception from the first instant onward. Joseph Smith must be accepted either as a prophet of God or else as a charlatan of the first order, but no one should tolerate any ludicrous, even laughable middle ground about the wonderful contours of a young boy's imagination or his remarkable facility for turning a literary phrase. That is an unacceptable position to take morally, literally, historically, or theologically. I hate to say it, but that last portion you read is something that Jeffrey Holland said that I actually agree with. There is no middle ground on this. Either he did or he didn't. And when we go back and we look at the Book of Mormon story, and this is one of the things that we try to demonstrate at the Utah Christian Research Center, we have a display of gold plates trying to show how heavy these plates would have been and how nobody could lift those plates and do the things that Joseph Smith claimed he did. Remember, the whole story that we have about Joseph Smith retrieving the gold plates, that all comes from Joseph Smith. Even though his mother relates some of those details later on, where do you think she got them? She had to have gotten them from her son, Joseph Smith, where he talks about taking these plates out of the ground, wrapping them in a linen shirt, tucking them under his arm, heading for home, getting off the the beaten path, and, and he's attacked not once, not twice, but three times, is able to knock the attackers down is able to run away from them. At one point, his mother said, at the top of his speed, which, of course, how fast could that possibly be? Because we know that Joseph Smith, when he had surgery on his leg as a young boy, he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. And yet he's running at the top of his speed, carrying these heavy plates. Uh, This story gets crazy. I mean, to say he could have done it once, I say maybe, twice, not likely. Three times? Now, come on. But yet a lot of Latter-day Saints believe this, and they never bother to take the story and really look at it very closely. We demonstrate at the center that if the story of Joseph Smith is true, the way he described the gold plates, the size that they were, six by eight by six inches deep, if they were made of gold as the angel said they were, and the church, I might add, also says, then plates that size would have weighed around 200 pounds. Well, you take a look at our display, and they're made of lead, the first set that we received from Sandra Tanner when she had it at the Utah uh, a lighthouse bookstore, it's impossible for somebody to pick that up all the way the first time. They usually have to struggle. And even the strongest person just has a hard time getting that up. Well, that weighs 118 pounds. And then the steel plates that you have uh, that, that are right next to it, same size, weigh 80 pounds. And when they're done lifting both of those, I like to say, well, you'd have to take the weight of those second plates and put them into the weight of the first to be able to to make it into the 200 pounds that gold weighs, 1,204 pounds per cubic foot, and this is one-sixth of a cubic foot. And I can't tell you how many people are, like, amazed at how heavy that would have been. So I don't think when the story was being told, anybody ever thought about the weight of gold. Not only that, but we have the the story of how the Book of Mormon was translated. We have a display right next to this that explains how it wasn't as the February 2001 ensign picture on the cover puts it, Joseph Smith using his finger to roll across the pages of the gold plates, but rather 
that he had a hat and a magic stone, a seer stone, and he used that stone to tell what the words were to the scribe Oliver Cowdery, and the plates were covered up. The church did not admit to this until 2015, which is interesting because Mr. Ballard had been an apostle for many, many years. He knew what was being put forth in the church curriculum and in the different pictures that they would produce for the for the education of its people. And he knew that wasn't true. But did he just allow that to go on? So here he is glorifying the Book of Mormon, and yet the story of how the Book of Mormon comes about is false. It's not true based on the facts. And I think that's problematic. These men have been in the church for a great many years, and they have to know about the cover-up. We get asked all the time, well, do you think that these leaders know that Mormonism isn't true? Well, they have to have access to the same things we have access to. We're not making this up. We're getting it from their sources. So they have to know a lot of this. But I think what they do is they tell themselves, well, we're just taking good people and making them better. And that's probably how they sleep at night. Well, if you think you're being made better based on a lie, then I think we have some definition problems we need to talk about. Going on in his talk, what does he say? Though my message this morning is simple, it's deep, and it's full of love for the prophet Joseph Smith and for all of those, my brothers and sisters, who have sustained him and were willing to sustain him in his youth. I would like to pay tribute this morning to his mother, I've always thought how wonderful it was that when Joseph came home from that experience in the sacred grove and told his mother what had happened, Lucy Mack Smith believed him. Now, what happened, though, is he gets home and he has these alleged plates, whatever they are, we don't know because they were always covered up. His mother never saw the plates. His wife never saw the plates. No one really saw the plates, at least tangible plates. We know that we have the 11 witnesses, the three and the eight, who claim that they saw them. But when you look at their story even more closely, we find that in specifically in the case of the three witnesses, according to the documentary History of the Church, volume 1, page 55, they saw them in vision. Well, that's not what most Latter-day Saints believe about that story. When he pays tribute to Lucy Mack Smith here, Eric, remember, it was a few summers ago, we were visiting a lot of the historical sites of the LDS Church. And, of course, we stopped in Nauvoo, Illinois, and this is where Lucy Mack Smith lived before she passed away. And we visited the recreated home where Lucy Mack Smith lived. Our tour guide, a very nice lady, was proud to show us the display sitting there in the very small parlor area of this house. And she told us how Lucy Mack Smith loved to show visitors Joseph Smith's rendition of the Book of Abraham, which of course includes facsimile one and so forth. It made me think this poor lady is telling us how proud Joseph Smith's mother was to tell the story of the Book of Abraham. And we know now that the story of the Book of Abraham is a complete fabrication. And we had a chance to bring that up. We said, well, what is it about this? And what about the problems? And she had never heard of the issues of the book of Abraham and why it is not considered by Egyptologists to be an accurate rendering of what was written here. It's common funeral papyri, very clear. And she was amazed and seemed to stumble around having I think her faith challenged because her faith in Joseph Smith had to include the book of Abraham. 
Yeah, and here she's telling us very proudly about Joseph Smith's mother showing people about the book of Abraham. Well, let's go back and look at that very quickly in the time that we have remaining here. Joseph Smith claimed that the papyri that that Michael Chandler sold to members of his church for a sum of around $2,400, which in today's dollars would be about $80,000. So that was quite a sacrifice back then. This is during the time when the church was headquartered in Kirtland, Ohio. So in 1835, they purchased these mummies off of Michael Chandler, and Joseph Smith sees that on these mummies, there's some papyrus scrolls. And of course, he's a translator as well as a prophet, and so he commences to translate these papyrus scrolls. And this is what gives us the Book of Abraham. Smith claimed that these papyrus scrolls were written by the hand of Abraham, the patriarch. Can you imagine What are the odds that Michael Chandler's been going around the country showing off these papyrus scrolls and these mummies, and these scrolls actually had the handwriting of Abraham the Patriarch? Can you imagine how valuable that would be? That would be an autograph copy. We don't even have autographs of the New Testament manuscripts. But yet this is what Joseph Smith says. Now, Mormon apologists have had to back off on that. But the fact is, Smith gives a translation of this papyra that scholars later on, when they examine what Smith said, they say Smith got it completely wrong. He got nothing right at all. So now the church has to back off and say, well, when he translated him, it wasn't a traditional translation. It was more of an inspired translation, a spiritual translation, which of course means that Joseph Smith can say whatever he wants and Latter-day Saints will go along and believe it. And that's a sad commentary just as I think it's a sad commentary that M. Russell Ballard would give a talk like this as his last public sermon. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism.